Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And this one, we'll look at the first three Rockets games since the Harden trade, along with a few more thoughts on the deal itself. Oh, hey, the Astros made their games longer this coming year, but is it a good thing? And it's time for an existential conversation about the Texans. Joining me for this potential philosophical discussion is my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and longtime journalist, Stephen Curran. Stephen, let's just peel the Band-Aid off immediately. What are the odds that Deshaun Watson has played his last game as a Texan? Uh, I'll tell you what, but first of all, you're using these big words, Robert. I'm going to have to have a dictionary handy next time we come on the podcast. <laughs> Existential, philosophical. Um, well, Deshaun Watson needs to start using some words of his own, Robert. Either saying, yeah, I want out directly or just playing with what you've got. Because, you know, this mess just seems to get muddier and muddier every day. And I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm just I'm sick and tired of this whole Jack Easterby saga, uh, how the Texans keep screwing it up and how Deshaun, you know, is it, it seems like he's speaking through other people that he wants to be traded, but isn't actually I mean, he's he's cryptically tweeting his unrest or, you know, his unhappiness. But, you know, this this thing just needs to be dealt with one way or the other. And look, I, I'm along with you and. 99.999% of other Texans fans, I don't want Deshaun Watson to be traded because to tell you the truth, what is there to watch with the Texans if Deshaun is traded, if J.J. Watt is gone? You know, what is there to look forward to? I don't want that. But but this thing just needs to end. The, the Texans just have got to get themselves together. And Deshaun really needs to come out and just say, you know, one way or the other, especially considering the fact that just four months ago, he signed that extension you know, why Why didn't he just do what James Harden did and say, no, you know what, I don't think I want to sign this extension because this mess has been going on long before this offseason took place. So Deshaun has to know, uh, you know, he, he has to have been unhappy for longer than just the last month or the last few weeks. So I'm going to get to the question again, the odds that Deshaun is gone. I mean, are you, are you at the point where there's a 75% chance, 80% chance we're not going to see him ever again in a Texans uniform? The way it's looking right now, Robert, I, I, I'd say it's it's 60-40 that he could be gone. I mean, reportedly, there are discussions internally about trading him. So, you know, after the, the James Harden situation and after the way this is playing out, it just would not surprise me at this point. It really would not. It would be the worst thing the Texans – I mean, it, it would make the DeAndre Hopkins trade – look like nothing. But yeah, I'd say the chances are greater than less that Deshaun could be traded. Yeah, we didn't have cryptic tweets when you and I were kids, right? We didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. Well, <laughs> unless birds were cryptically tweeting, that's about the only tweets we ever heard as kids. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's it just, you know, that's why I'm saying uh, the, the guy needs to come out and, and say what's on his mind and at least do it in a way that doesn't where the media doesn't have to keep speculating. I mean, at least James Harden made it pretty clear he wanted out, uh, even though he didn't talk a lot about it until toward the end. But yeah, I, I'd say the chances I, I'll, I'll give it 60, 40 right now. And that could change by the time this thing goes up, it, it could go up some more. I feel like he's tweeting through, not tweeting through, but talking through, you know, if you want to hear from him, he's talking through, 
the national people, the local people, all these reporters, because, you know, Schefter was just raining tweet bombs on Texans Nation Sunday as tweets included, quote, there's a growing sense from Deshaun that he's played his last snap for the team. Schefter also tweeted Texans have had internal conversations about possible trade partners for Deshaun and what their quarterback situation would look like in the future without him. And that info, though, was courtesy of, of Sarah Barshop here locally. Another Schefter treat said, quote, one league source connected to the Texans head coaching situation uh, said it's gone from the least desirable head coaching job opening to the most undesirable head coaching job in the <laughs> NFL. That's a fact. That's how that job is now looked at by everybody, unquote. Stephen, I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> That, that, that sounds good for Texans fans. And and if you're the Texans, how can you allow this to happen? I mean, you've got fans marching on NRG Stadium on MLK Day to protest the whole situation with Deshaun Watson. And, and you, you just, no statement, no anything from the Texans regard, at least not that I've seen. How do you allow this cluster fire to keep happening? I, I just, I just shake my head every day. I mean, I know this... Yeah, you know, we've we've talked plenty of times about the state of the Texans ownership and management and what a disarray it is, but how do you just ignore this type of thing and not get out in front of it and make sure that your quarterback is taken care of? You know, whether whether he's acting like a baby superstar player or not, get out in front of it and take care of this situation. You do you not care that you're losing your fan base and that you've maybe even lost a lot of your fan base? I just don't understand it, Robert. I don't understand anything about Cal McNair. Like we've said in the past, he's just not a bright guy. He lives in his castle and he doesn't, I guess, watch television or listen to the radio. Um, You know, I, I just don't know if he is aware of what's going on. He needs somebody to talk to outside of his wife and I guess his I guess he's got a bunch of yes men around him or something like that, but it, 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 it's really unfathomable in a way. And, and you talk about the, (laughs) the, the, uh, big, um, protest out in front of the stadium. And, and the thing that cracked me up was, you know, Seth Payne said, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea to have a protest, uh, on MLK day. And I, I thought, well, what better way to honor Martin Luther King than have a peaceful protest about uh, a bunch of bad policies and a bad guy in charge of everything. Yeah. It all kind of ties together, doesn't it? I don't know. In, in a, just in a, a, a sick sort of way or a twisted, twisted, ironic sort of way. But yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, my, my emotions have, as you can probably tell, have just been boiling over for this whole thing. I mean, I'm, I'm sick of these reports coming out about Easterby. I, I'm, I'm sick about how this whole coaching search, general manager search has played out. And to be honest, Robert, I mean, I, as I said before on this podcast, you've got to put some of this on Deshaun, too, to just get out in front of it. You know, are, are you unhappy or are you going to buck it up and deal with it and, and play through your, the extension of your contract? I just, I, none of, no one has really handled this situation very well in my mind. I think Easterby brainwashed him too, because there should be a point where he comes out and says something about Easterby um, and says, get rid of him. Um, because look, he, he can not like what Cal McNair did or said or whatever, but 
none of that matters if you get the guy that you want in there as the head coach and you get Easterby out of the building so he can't sabotage said head coach and GM. Uh, to me, I, I just feel like Deshaun has gotten suckered by him. And, I, and as I said last week, you know, he, he, he went up to a fan and said, put down this sign that was criticizing Easterby during the season. And that tells me that, you know, he, he might not be against Easterby, although, you know, he's hanging out with Andre Johnson at a Rockets game. And Andre had no bones about it last week, talking about how Easterby is the issue. And, you know, Andre, I mean, it, it's a it's an explosion that goes off if Andre says anything controversial. Well, it, whether he's being had or not, Robert, let's just get down to brass tacks. Jack Easterby is obviously not going anywhere, so we all have to deal with it. What, what the Texans have to do is get this coach search right. Get a guy in there that, you know, Deshaun approves of. Or I mean, you want the best fit for the whole team, obviously. But they've got to get this, this coaching search right. They've just got to. And if it's going to be somebody that is going to help Deshaun be better, then bring him in and let, let's at least get something right so that we can move forward. But obviously, no, no matter what all these reports are saying, Jack Easterby isn't going anywhere thanks to Cal McNair and Nick Asario. It, it's just let, let's just this is what we're going to have to deal with apparently for a while. Well, this coaching search has me disinterested because who cares if there's no Deshaun? Do you? Well, no, that's that's exactly right. I mean, if you trade Deshaun before you hire the head coach, then I guess what does it really matter? Or or afterwards, do you care about what's going to happen afterwards? Well, yeah, afterwards you certainly won't care. But that's what I'm saying. If you trade him before you hire the head coach, then it it'll be totally anticlimactic. It it just won't matter. I said off the top we were going to have an existential discussion, and here's what's on my mind, Stephen. I asked Twitter this question a couple of days ago. I said. Will you root for the team, go to the games, buy the merchandise when they trade Deshaun Watson? 83% of the fans said no. That's all? That's all, believe it or not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a little surprising. Yeah, and that leads me to this. Now, we know the, the fans sometimes are a bunch of hot air when it's in the moment. And they might say, well, we're not going to do any of this stuff. And then, you know, a few months later, football season comes around. They're Texans fans again. But, Stephen... I'll get real serious and speak for myself. If Deshaun goes, I'm serious enough about moving on from this team that I was going through other NFL teams over the last couple of days to see what my new team might be. And that's something I couldn't even consider when the Oilers left. Well, I'll tell you the truth, Robert. I did. I, when, the Oilers, when, when I heard that the Oilers were leaving, I, I never thought I would do this as a sports fan of Houston sports because I obviously, I, as you know, I grew up in Houston. I, I don't live there now, but I grew up there. My entire childhood was spent there, and I was a diehard Oilers, Astros, Rockets, Cougars, you name it. If it had Houston's label on it, I would do it. But the year before the Oilers left, I refused to root for them. I did not watch their games, and if I remember right, I, I think they went – 11 and 5, 12 and 4. I mean, they had a winning season, but I did not watch a single Oilers game. I, I think I just kind of tuned around. Uh, I know you're going to gasp. You might even kick me off this podcast when I tell you this. I was watching Dallas Cowboys games, <laughs> if you can believe that. And I, I think I even watched some Saints games. I mean, I just kind of, you know, kind of puttered around the league and just watched other teams. So I will tell you that if, if the Texans trade Deshaun Watson, I don't know that I can follow this team because, you know, obviously, since I, I wasn't 
I'm, I wasn't a kid, you know, obviously when the Texans came around and I haven't lived in Houston in over 40 years. While I'm invested in the Texans, I've cheered for them since their inception. I'm not that emotionally invested in them. In fact, in 2017, when Deshaun got hurt, I just felt that there wasn't anything to watch. And so I think I watched maybe two quarters, if that, of a Texans game for the rest of that season. So I think I can confidently say that with you, Robert, I'm, I'd am i be ready to move on if they make the dumbest move in team history and trade Deshaun. Yeah, and I just want to be clear. It wasn't like I was rooting for the, the Titans or the Tennessee Oilers to me that is just ridiculous and I don't understand the people that do that it's basically like rooting for your ex-wife when she's dating some other guy and like boy I hope he makes good with her and I hope they go home together and all I'm just like no (laughs) no I, I, I I never though started looking for another NFL team um maybe just with the hope that Houston was going to get a team again. And, you know, I just, I, I was just, I think I was just so upset with the whole situation, but you know, this is a deal where there isn't hope because Cal McNair, he's not going anywhere. He's not old. He's going to be the owner for a long time. It's going to be a disaster as long as he's the owner. So what's the point moving forward? If he thinks, a pastor is more important than one of the best five quarterbacks or best three quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Like, why do I need, you know, I, look, Stephen, we might get into discussion. I might like just go over some of the teams that you could go to as a, as a Texans fan, if Deshaun gets traded, but I'm hoping that maybe somehow cooler heads will prevail in the next few weeks. But believe me, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that there is now a way better than 60 or 70% chance that Deshaun is not with the Texans. Yeah, and, and here's here's something else to consider, Robert. And, and I'm not into this, and I don't know if you are, but you know, fantasy football has has really taken over the landscape in recent years, you know, now more than ever. And I, I think a lot of fans, honestly, don't even I, I run into more people who don't really have a team that they cheer for other than the one that they have in, and, and maybe even multiple ones in fantasy league. So that's another thing you have to throw into the mix. Fans have another distraction. They don't necessarily have to, ch- to cheer for a particular NFL team. They can form their own fantasy team and root for the players that they have, that they've drafted. You know, And that's not something that, to my recollection, that's not something that was going on when the Oilers were leaving. I know, you know fantasy football, I guess, in the last 20 years or so has really caught on. So that's another thing that you can say. Again, I, I'm not really into fantasy sports, never have been, but that is yet another vehicle that the fans can turn to if they finally get fed up enough and, and the Texans do this, that they can say, you know what, I'm just gonna I, I'm just gonna worry about my fantasy leagues. I don't even have to cheer for the Texans or anybody else. Yeah, I mean that's to me that's that's always gonna be there. You're always gonna have your fantasy team, but I'm talking about like, you know, are, are you, what are you wearing? Are you going to wear Texans gear still? You, you, you still going to be that guy? Are you going to be the guy that goes to Academy and picks up your Texans gear and, and sees, you know, it's just like, I, I just can't understand that whole concept of, of you know, kind of rooting for um, your fantasy team in that, you know, you don't go get jerseys of your fantasy player. You change out fantasy players every single year. And I'm just, not, the other thing is I'm not one of these people 
It's like, well, I'm going to follow around certain players like the LeBron fan that, oh, wherever LeBron goes, I'm, I'm a fan. Like I'm not, I'm not following Deshaun to another team. And then like, okay, now Deshaun's gone. All right. Now who's my player? What's, I don't know if I could be that guy as a fan. Well, neither do I, as I said, I mean, I've, I've invested in the Texans. I've, I've cheered for them since their inception in 2002. I mean, I was excited in 1999 when they made the announcement that a team was coming to Houston. I think a lot of fans were because he'd been without football for several years. But honestly, Robert, as the years have played out and the the Texans have, you you know, they've sniffed around getting to the AFC championship and the Super Bowl, but they've never gotten to that point. And just the way the team has been run for years and years, I I, I just, I I don't think that I can honestly say that if, if they trade Deshaun that, I think that would be it for me. I just don't see myself cheering for them at this point. Now, I guess the big test comes if by some miracle the team starts winning, and I mean really winning. Like what if they do reach the AFC championship game, Robert? There's a question for you. What what if they just defied the odds in the next few years after they've traded Deshaun and they get a team in place that goes to the AFC championship game? Let's stop right there. Would you watch them? Let me be clear on something. It's going to take, if you trade Deshaun, three, four, five years at least. And you and I are not 22 years old. So we we can have this discussion in three or four or five years if you and I are still around on planet Earth. But until that happens, look, I dare them to do it in the next couple of years. They got no draft choices. You trade Deshaun. Yeah, you could get some draft choices, but you're not going to get 14 draft choices this year. And that's what they need. And they've got no room to add veterans for the next couple of years because of all their stupid contracts. Yeah, that's very true. No, I, I was saying in like in the next five years or so, after time has worn off, you know, emotions have somewhat settled down, you move on with your life. You know, I don't know. I mean, I I did not watch the Titans when they made the Super Bowl against the Rams. In fact, I, I rooted against them. And I was so mad when I thought they were going to win it. You know, that last play of the game <laughs> when they got to the two-yard line, I think it was, and they got stopped. I'd never been more happier in years when they lost that Super Bowl. So I'm not so sure that I would watch the Texans if they made the AFC championship game, at least at this point. Well, let's move to the Houston team that already traded their MVP caliber player. And Steve and I had Rocket superfan Red Rowdy Maya on the, on the show last week. Got reaction from her on the Harden deal, but we haven't got your reaction. Do you like the Harden deal or would you rather have a Ben Simmons type pack, package that uh, we found out in the last few days, apparently Daryl Morey thought was already agreed on. Yeah, that whole situation is kind of strange to begin with. I, I just felt like the Rockets fell short in this deal, Robert, not because they got Oladipo. I mean, I, I think Oladipo is, is going to be great for them. I know he he's only played one game with them, but what did he have, uh, 32 points, nine assists in, in a debut where he really hadn't had a chance to practice with the team. I mean, Victor can score. Uh, you know, as as Red Rowdy Maya pointed out, uh, rightly so, he's not a big guard, but, uh, you know, he, he's certainly going to be able to score for you, and he can shoot the three. He's okay defensively, but I, I just feel that, you know, even the draft choices that the Rockets got is a caveat. You know, you, you've got protected picks, you've got swapped picks, and here's the thing about Oladipo. He's in the final year of his contract. So if the Rockets don't sign him, then essentially 
You got very little for the James Harden trade because you can't keep Victor Oladipo long-term. That is the main guy. I mean, yeah, I know they got a couple of other players, but who are they? One of them is injured right now, can't even play. So if Victor Oladipo doesn't re-sign with the Rockets long-term, there's your James Harden trade. You've got a bunch of draft picks. Some of them are swapped picks. And if the, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be good for several years from now, how is that really going to benefit the Rockets? So while I'm glad that the James Harden thing is finally done and over with, I mean, I just think that they fell short in what they could have gotten for him. I'm going to make one correction, minor correction for you. And, you know, he's coming off the injury, Oladipo. But as a defensive player, I don't know what you and Maya are talking about because two years ago he was on the all-defensive first team. He's great. You know, and, and if he's healthy, he's going to be great. Well, and that's what you hope. I mean, he, he as I said, he's okay defensively, but yeah, you're right. I had forgotten that he was on that team uh, a couple of years ago. And and the injury, I mean, the, the Rockets, they, they seem to want to take a chance on injured players. Boy, you've got, what, at least half your roster <laughs> filled with guys that are coming back. And so far, so good. I mean, John Wall is, I mean, he's, he's missed several games for one reason or another. But when he's been in there, he's looked like he's come back from his DeMarcus Cousins doesn't seem to have any ill effects for him, and neither does Victor Oladipo. So it may be working out well for the Rockets, but they still are trying to find their identity, and they certainly didn't play defense on Monday night against the Bulls. They were just raining threes down like the rain that we're about to get here in Austin here this coming week. Pretty heavy. Yeah, I'm going to get to the defense in a little bit, but let's go to the deal. And, you know, as I've already said, I'm not a Ben Simmons guy. I like my superstars to have a shot beyond four feet. Now, there are people who have told me, even if you don't want Simmons, you can always flip him to another team for a nice trade package. Maybe you could, but I see Simmons as a player. You got to build your whole roster around. So I'm not sure there are as many trade partners as people think. Also, I don't think it's worth just punting on this season uh, since OKC is, you know, they're flipping rights on your draft pick. I'm actually real excited about Oladipo. And I felt that way before uh, he put up the 32 in his first game. I mean, I've, I've been a fan of his for, you know, the whole time he's been in Indiana and really stepped up his game, but I'm obviously concerned that the Rockets can't re-sign him. Like you said, Steven, he wants to sign with the Miami Heat, according to what I'm, you know, what I'm reading. If he's dead set on that, how can you even get good value for him at the trade deadline? So I love the deal if they keep Oladipo. Like, like you said, um, that's great, but that's my concern. As you said, the thing is, my enthusiasm with these draft picks are low because you just can't bank on the Nets being awful in three years. It's not like Durant and Harden are 33 years old. I know everybody looks at the Garnett and, and Pierce trade from a few years ago, but look in, in the modern NBA with, you know, resting players and, you know, less games and all that, you, you could easily see five or six more great seasons out of Durant and Harden. I'm not even going to include Kyrie because we don't know what the hell's going on with him, but Durant Harden, are guys that, you know, they could go, they could go on for a while and they got they don't have games that you look at. There's it's not like Russell Westbrook type games. They've got games that, you know, that they have a ground game. They can shoot jump shots. Uh they they have skills. Yeah, that's right. They they do. And yeah, I, I mean the thing I keep thinking about is I, I don't see the Nets winning a championship 
even with Durant there, and then you have Harden and Irving, who to me, Kyrie Irving is, is probably the most selfish player in the league. You know, as as talented as he is, there's always something with him, and now he's not even playing with them. So really, it's the big two, not the big three, because he's not even on the floor right now, and that, that could change soon enough. But I do think the Nets are going to be a good team, but I certainly don't look at them challenging the Bucks, the Celtics, teams like that to, to win an NBA championship. But you're right, and that's my biggest concern with these draft picks. I mean, I guess the only thing that the Rockets might be able to do is flip some of those draft picks for something better, you know, maybe a role player or two. But I, I just felt, to me, with all the talk that they were having with these other teams, that they fell pretty short of this Harden deal that could have gotten more for him when you consider other players have been traded for a lot more. And if you don't re-sign Oladipo, then you really have nothing to go on. The thing that really cracked me up is there's a pick swap for this year with the Nets. I'm like, really? Is that just to make yourself look good? Oh, we got four pick swaps instead of three pick swaps. But uh, <laughs> I, I do disagree with you, though, on the, on the Nets. Uh, I mean, I, I think... You know, who cares about Kyrie Irving in the regular season? They can win a bunch of games with just Durant and Harden and be in a good position in the playoffs, be a top four team. And I just, I think they can easily get to the Eastern Conference Finals because Milwaukee, outside of somebody like Middleton, I don't know who you give the ball to late in the game because you can't give it to Giannis. He can't make a free throw. He's not a great jump shooter. He's not somebody that... You just go give give the ball to Giannis and get out of the way. And and if you look at the other teams, you know Boston. I mean, you know they're they're good, but their stars are not as good as Harden and Durant and Irving. And and then if you look at, uh, for example, Philadelphia, it's it's Simmons and like I said, you got no jump shot, no nothing from him. And and Embiid. I mean, they've got some other good players, um, but I just I I, I definitely can see them winning the East, but right now the Lakers just look like a juggernaut, Stephen. I don't know if you watch oh, yeah. that team. They're, they're just running through people. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they are running through people. And then the Rockets just found, found out just how short they are from the Lakers with both of those games that they played and getting back to the Nets though, just remember James Harden in the play, he's going to have to come through in the playoffs with the Nets, which he for the most part did not do with the Rockets. But yeah, as long as you have Kevin Durant there, the Nets certainly have a chance. I, I, I agree with that. And whether they win a championship or not, they're certainly going to make the playoffs. So those picks are not going to be lottery picks, uh, chances are. Well, Harden doesn't necessarily have to do much in the playoffs because Durant and Irving can make all the big shots for them. They can. They can. Despite the awful losses this season, I'm really excited about watching this team. You know, even though they've they've been struggling... Christian Wood is so far beyond anything I could dream of. We've already gone over, Stephen, my love for Jay Sean Tate. And this week, holy cow, we discovered another young guy that may be seriously legit, Mason Jones. It's funny, Stephen, because when I first saw him on the court, I thought, eh, he doesn't look like a NBA athlete with qu the quickness and that type of ability. But watching him play, he's got a little bit of old man game. And then I read a quote from him before the draft where he said, uh, he models his game after James Harden, old man game, James Harden, old man game, James Harden. All right. Well, that that's good. I, yeah, I like Mason Jones. I mean, he was really putting him up there in the Spurs series. And I, I mean, as you pointed out before, Robert, these, these guys have energy and I, and I felt like 
And I think this is going to wear off, and maybe is wearing off to some degree. But I felt like the Rockets, after the the James Harden trade, now they can move on. They they can concentrate and have more focus and intensity. And I think they showed that for the most part. You know, the, the defense has got to get themselves together. That that is true. But at least to me, they look like they're hustling. They they've got a lot of energy. They're going after it. So. I just think it's going to take some time for this team to really get together. As much as I hate to say it, because, you know, with Houston fans, we're, we're tired of being patient. But we're going to have to be a little more patient with this team and letting them get into Steven Silas's system, try to get better defensively, and maybe they can salvage something of this season. But I at least like the fact that they're not just standing around. There's a lot of action and they are more disciplined for the most part with their shots. Yeah, you talk about the defense, and that's definitely something I wanted to bring up. And you look at it, and it, it's it's really hard to be good defensively with like lineup changes and different guys, and people are hurt every game. And that's the real key to the Rockets kind of getting things together because, look, the, the Rockets fans, you might be upset with all the games the Rockets players are missing because of injuries, but if you're if you're watching the rest of the NBA – this is a league-wide issue. I look at box scores. I don't recognize half the guys. So somehow, some way, Silas is going to have to piece it together and start getting the defense to be on the same page. But that's the problem, Stephen, is you, you can't get them on the same page if there's a new starting five every single night or a new eight-man rotation, nine-man rotation. Um, two or three guys are out one night, another two or three guys out the next night. Uh, you know, It's easy to say, oh, there's John Wally's coming back from the injury. This is an ankle injury, and this is an injury that reminds me that this season is just stupid because they're playing every other day, and there wasn't a ramp up. And so you see this kind of injury going on with every team around the league, like I said. Yeah, this should not come as any surprise, Rob. And I think we even touched on it before the season started is that, you know, you had some teams that weren't even involved in the bubble who've had, what, more than a year, almost a year off. And then you have teams like the Lakers and the Rockets and those who went deep into the playoffs who had very little rest. So it does not surprise me at all that not only with the Rockets, but around the league that you're seeing so much of this. And then you've got the games every other night thing going on, which, you know, even though some of the travel is being cut down when you have two game series like you did with the Lakers and the Spurs and teams like that, it's still taking a toll on these players. They don't have a lot of practice time. I mean, that's the thing. You don't have enough practice time to work on specific things, to, to get to know each other, to develop that chemistry that you have to kind of throw together in the middle of a game, and it's just very difficult. Now, I'm not making excuses, not not by any means, but it is what it is, and, and that's what the Rockets are facing right now. I got two huge beefs with Coach Silas. Uh, let's get to that. Number one, David Nwaba should never – be in the starting lineup over Jay Sean Tate. I get it. Jay Sean Tate, he brings the energy off the bench. Maybe you like that. I, I just do not like David Nwaba all that much because uh, he's somebody that has a lot of energy and a lot of defense, but he's not changing the Rockets' defense. He's not making it into a great defense. They're terrible even with Nwaba out there, and you need somebody that can do more than he does on the defensive end. It's kind of a minor beef, really. My... my my number two beef, much bigger, it's the way Silas is using Boogie Cousins. There's no way Boogie 
Steven is best used as a pick and pop guy. He's nowhere near a good enough three point shooter, unless you like his sweet 26.7% marksmanship. And in my humble opinion, the whole advantage with him is his size and ability to bully ball guys down low, especially now that he's coming off all these knee surgeries and you don't want him outside having to use his speed and agility. If he's just going to set high screens and not roll into the post, then he's worthless. Plus it keeps him away from rebounds which Steven, the Rockets badly need. Yes, they are so being out-rebounded, and, and Cousins can help you there. Yeah, I, I much prefer him inside, and I, I have to agree with you, Robert. That's, I guess, you know, every coach has his flaw, uh, you know, and, and right now that would be Steven Silas's flaw is you, you've got to know how to use your personnel. And right now, DeMarcus Cousins, I think, is 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 being, it, it's just short on being used in the right way, but yeah, the Rockets' uh, defense and rebounding, uh, I mean, those are two pretty important things that you've got to get together if you're going to even salvage any part of the season and make the playoffs, which the Rockets are, are very much in danger of not doing right now. The one thing they can do to make this team better is get another big besides Boogie Cousins because, you know, you do have the injury concerns. Is he going to be available from night to night? He missed a couple of games against San Antonio. Uh, he's not been a great rebounder. I, I've not been impressed with his effort and his energy going after basketballs when it gets up there, even when he's around the basket. So if there's one thing that I feel like you can improve, and you can find these guys out there, Stephen, you can find big, guy, cheap big guys that can rebound. Yeah, absolutely. And with the trade deadline coming up, and you know, there, there's always things that pop up that uh, teams decide not to you know, they, they do the buyout thing. So there, there's got to be people out there. And I'm sure the Rockets are going to make some kind of moves either, you know, soon or at least when the trade deadline gets here. So I guess that's the thing that we have to kind of hope for now. All right, let's go to a team that's uh, doing some good things. Uh, what news did the local nine make this week? Did Jim Crane hire Easterby to be their pastor, Stephen? Oh, no, no, no. Let's not even go there, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last thing we need. No, the Astros have not signed Jack Easterby. Uh, no, they did not swap owners. Cal McNair is not owning the Astros. Jim Crane is still in place. Uh, James Click is your general manager, not Bill O'Brien. So those are good news. Oh, and, and there's uh, another piece of good news. The Astros added more pitching, Robert. They added more pitching. Okay, it's, it's a guy that you, you may kind of know, kind of not know. But they did add some more depth to their bullpen with the signing of right-hander Pedro Baez. They inked him to a two-year deal. Um, and, of course, Baez is one that is going to be more toward the back end of the bullpen. Now, the team is still looking for a bona fide closer to replace Roberto Osuna. Uh, Baez has never been in that role. He was with the Dodgers, of course, for seven years. Uh, he's got a 3.03 ERA, a 1.096 whip. He's had uh, 355 relief appearances, but... None of them has been as a closer, so he'll he'll probably be on the back end with Ryan Presley and hopefully Joe Smith when he comes back. They have been in, you know, I've heard some rumors that they've been in talks with some closers like Brad Hand and Trevor Rosenthal, Alex Colome, but they haven't signed anybody yet. So that that is still a big need for them, but at least they are doing something to shore up their bullpen with Baez. And then, of course, they signed Ryan Stanek, another relief pitcher the week before. 
Why would a Dodger pitcher want to play with a bunch of cheaters, a guy that cheated him out of a World Series? What, what happened there, Stephen? I thought nobody wanted to be with the Astros because it's, it's the worst organization in, in sports, especially Dodger player. Well, it's just like I said a few weeks ago, Robert, is that when, when players become free agents, all of a sudden, you know, there are no sides in this issue. All of a sudden, you, you become their teammate. Oh, you're a great guy. Well, you probably didn't really cheat. It was those other guys. I mean, it it always happens this way. So, yeah, I I thought about that too. But I guarantee I guarantee you, if George Springer were to sign with the Dodgers, all of a sudden he'd be the most beloved guy in L.A. Or well, one of them anyway. Baez, a notorious slow worker. Stephen, ask me how slow of a worker is he? This is like match game. Ask me that question. How slow is Pedro Baez on the mound? Well, James Click said. We plan to use them in the seventh inning just to give everyone a little bit of extra time to get a beer before they stop selling beers at the end of the inning. <laughs> oh, in other words, what you're saying is the games just got longer. Oh, yeah, which you know how much that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, baseball games need to be longer. They're much too short already. So, you know, someone like Pedro Baez coming in, yeah, we, we can definitely have that. We, we don't need a seventh inning stretch. We can call it the Pedro Baez stretch. He is a good ad, though. I mean, let's look at the numbers. Uh, Pedro Baez, he's 32 years old, so he's an older guy. Could he be losing something? Well, we'll see, but he, he hasn't been losing something on the mound the last few years because uh, last year his whip was 1, uh, ERA 3.18. Uh, his career ERA 3.03. His career whip 1.096. I mean, year in and year out, there's not a lot of dips. I mean, he's pretty good every single year. His ERA is consistently, you know, high high twos, low threes. So that's going to be a huge help for the Astros. It kind of solidifies their bullpen. And, you know, you add him to Stanek and all of a sudden, you know, they, they've made a little bit of a dent in the bullpen. Hopefully a couple of guys hit that you need to hit, you know, guys to come back that like, you know, scrub and, if if, he, if scrub doesn't work for you this coming year, at least maybe Stanek could work for you. Um, yeah, they don't have a closer yet, like you said, but still, um, I, I like what James Click's doing in the in this off season in the smaller moves, and maybe he can make one big splash move, like you said. Maybe he can get the closer, but it, it, it's not terrible if they don't get a closer at this point because you got enough guys to kind of piecemeal your your way through things, and closers are just so unreliable long-term that you just don't know what you're going to get long-term with the closer if he can do it for more than two or three years. Yeah, and you do have Presley. I mean, if you have to put him in that role, you can. He did serve in it last year and did pretty well. But I, I think, you know, the Astros, of course, their, their biggest needs to me, outfield, they could use a backup catcher. And I really would like to see them get a starter at the back of the rotation because, look, as as wonderful as those kids were last year, if you're going to be coming back into this season, if it is going to be a full season and you're going to be playing with fans, albeit not 100% capacity, it's just going to be a, a different feel this time. And a lot of those guys, you know, they were playing without fans. It was kind of a unique situation. I want to see what they can do in a second year in hopefully a full season under at least somewhat more normal circumstances. It's It's not unforeseen, Robert, that you know, one or two of these guys may not have the kind of years that they had last year. You hope not, but it's kind of that regression to the mean thing. So the, the more depth the Astros can add to their bullpen and even get a back-end starter, 
just because you can never have too much pitching because you never know what's going to happen with injuries or some of these guys may not be quite as effective as they were last year. You can never have too many starters, but the good news is you keep adding bullpen guys. Somebody like Austin Pruitt, I know he's coming back from the injury, but he's a potential six starter if they need somebody. That's right. What else do you got on the Astros? Any other news? Well, as far as uh, the Astros and Carlos Correa, they look like they're going to be heading to arbitration again. You know, last year, the two sides couldn't reach an agreement. I think they did actually right before the arbitration hearing took place. And the Astros don't typically do well in arbitration because they lost a couple of years ago with Garrett Cole. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But right now, Robert, they are $3 million apart. Why don't they just take that $3 million and divide it between you and me? I'd, I'd be okay with that. Uh, sure. Yeah, let's do that. Um, <laughs> Correa, did we talk about – we did talk about LeMahieu signing last week. Was that – was that after our podcast from last week, DJ LeMahieu signing with the Yankees? I, I think it was. Wait, I don't think we got around to talking about that. What did you make of that? Because that has implications on George Springer. But you know what? As I was thinking about it, and, and I don't know what you think, doesn't this have some implications for Carlos Correa moving forward? Well, it certainly does. Yeah, especially with Correa. I mean, now that you're seeing something like that, you're, you're starting to see these kind of moves I mean, the Astros are going to have to make a decision on Carlos Correa. Certainly, uh, you know, the question remains, are, are you if you're three million dollars apart on this year? I don't know that that bodes well for moving forward with a contract extension, whether it's before he becomes a free agent or after. So, you know, we brought this up before, Robert, you know, a couple of years ago and even last year. Are the Astros thinking about trading Correa either at the trade deadline or even before that? if they can't even reach an agreement for arbitration for the second year in a row. Well, this is why I think there's good news with this DJ LeMayu signing. If you're a Carlos Correa fan, if you think the Astros would be willing to invest long-term in a guy with, you know, he's had his share of injuries, the back thing. I don't know if you like that or not, but look, DJ LeMayu, he's uh what the Yankee second baseman, right? Steven. Right. Right. So if he's their second baseman and he's under contract and you got their shortstop, good young shortstop that they've got uh, in Glaber Torres, he's not going to be a free agent for a while. Um, where does Carlos Correa go to play for the Yankees? Like what position? Because they've got a lot of their infield set on, on the middle uh even if you look at third base and Urshela, he's he's somebody that's young, and I, I don't think he's uh, somebody that's going to be. Uh, uh, I don't think they're going to have him um, on the market next year. You know, he's he's at eight fifty eight OPS. So if you're the Astros and your big concern would be Correa signing with the Yankees because that's his childhood team and he loved Jeter and all that, the the Yankees uh, pathway is a little bit harder you know maybe they say oh we could always get rid of you know this guy or that guy that we've got on the roster because we think Correa is better but the guys that they've got at second short and third and Torres LeMahieu and Urshela they're they're all pretty pretty good I mean I I don't know if you just get rid of them considering you know none of them are that expensive no they really aren't and I I mean I first of all what is it about the Astros getting all these you know Yankees fans basically growing up. You had Garrett Cole, you have Carlos Correa. Uh, I'm not so sure how I feel about that. But anyway, no, I, I'm not too concerned about him going to the Yankees. But 
there are certainly other teams that could use a shortstop like Carlos Correa. And, and I know, you know, he had that great season this year with the, the shortened season and certainly came through in the playoffs. But I'm still not sure long term, you know, is, is Carlos Correa going to be worth that kind of money that the Astros would have to invest in order to keep him? That remains to be seen. I don't even know if it had to do with the Yankees. I just think, don't you think Correa is <laughs> a young shortstop? Who are you going to look to? Jeter. Yeah, that is certainly, uh, yeah, you're going to try to come in and replace Derek Jeter. Good luck with that. Well, Carlos Correa, you know, he, he could possibly fill the bill with that. The one thing that's great about the Astros right now, Stephen, is, you know, they're they're not dealing with any more controversies and lawsuits like we've seen over the years, right? None of that stuff's going on. No, 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 no. Sorry, Robert. I, I wish we could go a week without saying, you know, something negative involving a Houston team, whether it's a lawsuit or a scandal or something. But no, I'm afraid the Astros, once again— did not avoid that. Now, you know, in all fairness, this isn't totally on the Astros. This is almost as much on MLB as it is the Astros. But you know who the Tri-City Valley Cats are, don't you, Robert? That's their old, uh, what, single-A affiliate? Is that right? Yeah, the single-A. They, they've been, uh, in the last 18 seasons, they've been the Astros' single-A affiliate. Well, they are suing the team and Major League Baseball for $15 million. And, of course, you know, this came after MLB decided to break ties with a number of minor league teams, and of the 120 teams that MLB retained, Tri-City is not one of them. So uh, I'm sure that more lawsuits are coming from other teams if they haven't already. But uh, yeah, this is just another in the latest saga of MLB's reorganization of the minor leagues. And the Astros are a part of that because, of course, they went back to the Asheville Tourists, who is a team that they had a number of years ago as uh, one of their minor league affiliates, but no more Tri-City Valley Cats. And now they're suing the Astros and MLB. So we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, it's been like a real revolving door with the Astros minor league teams over the last few years. Uh, you look at the new AAA team, which is exciting, that's coming to Sugar Land. And, and I think that's a great move. And I, I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, we love the fact that Corpus has got the AA team. So you got double and AAA. If you're an Astros fan, you can go see these teams in person and it's not too difficult if there's future superstars although the Astros their minor league system is about as bad as it's been in a long time they've just got one guy in baseball America's top 100 but I I, I, I do want to mention Stephen the one affiliate that I was disappointed that they left were the, were the Quad City River Bandits we had the Quad City broadcaster on a couple of times I've been up there it is one of the oldest, like I'm, I want to say it's maybe top three or something like that, continuous use minor league ballparks. It's, it's just a really cool single-A affiliate because they've got uh, a stadium that's right on the Mississippi River. You've got a, a Ferris wheel in the outfield. It's got a lot of history, although it's bounced around affiliates over the years, but it's got all sorts of history. And so that was kind of sweet as, as a minor league deal. I, I don't know what's going on with minor league, Stephen, because it – it, that everything's changing in, in, in a big way. And, and a lot of these um, minor leagues are, from what you understand, might be going away. Well, and that's such a shame, Robert. And you're right uh, about Quad Cities. I, I used to, every now and then, I would pick up some of the Quad Cities games. And, you know, you're talking about a great view, a great heritage. And, and the problem with minor league baseball, you know, a lot of these towns thrive on minor league baseball. 
I mean, that is a lot of their economy. And with a lot of these teams not coming back, or a number of them anyway, that's going to hurt their economy. So it's a real shame for those who live there. And it's a great family type of thing. You can take the family. And minor league baseball is as much about the experience, and sometimes really even more about the experience, than the actual baseball game that you're going to watch. And, you know, there's been a lot of turmoil, or, or not so much turmoil, but I guess in the minor leagues, especially with the AAA affiliate of the Astros, there's been a lot of turnover with that. You know, they had the Round Rock Express, and then they gave them up to the Rangers and went to Oklahoma City. Then they went back to Round Rock for a year. Now it's, you know, it's it's uh, Sugarland, as you pointed out. So, yeah, there's been a lot of turnover and things in the minor leagues, and that's a shame because minor league baseball, to me, especially in a lot of the towns that they're in, is really what makes them thrive. Before we go, I've got a couple of podcast episodes that, that people might want to listen to relating to Houston sports. One of them is our own. So I mean, that's the easy plug for me. Yeah. That, that should be first on the list, by the way. Yeah. And uh, I don't, if you had a chance to listen to my guy, Robert Falcoff on, on Charlie Thomas, the late Charlie Thomas, who we lost the last few days. Yes, I did catch that. It's some great insight. And uh, you know, I, I, I was going to say I, my, my stepfather who passed away last year, he would have loved Charlie Thomas because like Charlie Thomas, my stepfather was a uh, collector of antique cars. So he, he and Charlie would have had a lot to talk about. Yeah, it was very sad to see that Charlie Thomas passed away. And, uh, you know, it, it, as you and Robert accurately pointed out, uh, Charlie Thomas is the one who set up those championship teams. Les Alexander may have gotten credit for those two championships, but without Charlie Thomas, we wouldn't be talking about those two championships because he's the one who put the pieces in place. It's kind of like giving Cal McNair credit for Deshaun Watson being on the Texans, right? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, but but you know, at least Al Leslie Alexander was was a pretty good owner. I I thought. I mean, you know, compared to Cal McNair, you know, it's funny. I think you said off the top of the the Robert Falcoff podcast, probably the greatest owner in Houston history, talking about Charlie Thomas. So. How about opposites? You know, Cal McNair, probably the worst owner in Houston history at this point. Right. And and if you look at uh, what Charlie Thomas did, and like I said, go listen to this podcast. And hey, there's even a, a Kobe Bryant uh, story in there. So I know. I love it. It was great. Another was great. reason to listen to it. But if you look at what Charlie Thomas did and, and, and how important he was, listen to it. See if you think, oh, maybe he was the best Houston sports owner because that that's the case that you, you can make I, I think and then also another Rockets related podcast not not Houston Sports Talk but I, I got to give a big uh, recommendation to this one so Vernon Maxwell was on Bomani Jones podcast did you happen to catch this at all Stephen no Robert I saw your text about it you had, you had texted me last week and unfortunately my week kind of got away from me but I do it is on my list of podcast to listen to. I, I definitely want to check that out because, you know, if Vernon Maxwell is on a podcast, uh, he's not going to be soft-spoken and quiet. There are things that he has to say. He's never shy. So yeah, I can't wait to hear that podcast. Yeah. To say that he's not shy, this is totally <laughs> unplugged Vernon Maxwell. He cusses throughout this thing. And I guess there was uh, no explicitness on this particular podcast that Bomani does so there's just beeps 
all throughout the thing, but you'll know, you'll figure out what, what Vernon is saying. Trust me. It'll... Well, Vernon was pretty unplugged, even, you know, in regular form, maybe minus most of the bleeps. But yeah, Vernon Maxwell unplugged. That's just another walk in the park for him. There's just so many great stories and you will just be laughing all the way through this thing because he's just the best. I mean, Vernon, uh, what an interview is just, just like he was as a player. He's just all over the place, uh, intense, but kind of, you know, if we talked about his Twitter, uh, handle and it, it's, it's, it's the best Houston Twitter handle there is, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, and I like Bamani Jones. I've always liked him, you know, as a commentator, I, I have not had a chance to catch his podcast at all, but yeah, I, I definitely am looking forward to hearing that episode. And Bomani's got the Houston ties too. So that, that that's helps. right. He sure does. Yeah. You'll, you'll hear him talk. He knew, he knew all the beats to go after Vernon with. He knew all this. He remembers stuff about the Rockets and Vernon days that I had forgotten. So it's definitely worth listening to any, any last thing you got Stephen, for this one. Well, I, I just, you know, in, in talking about what you and Robert were talking about, and you just mentioned it, you know, the fact that Bamani Jones and another tie to Houston sports, I mean, you guys were going down the list of some of the, the famous national people who have come through Houston, either, you know, had major stops there or even a pit stop. You know, it was pretty interesting to hear some of that. But Bamani Jones, I mean, I, I always like it when a national media person talks to somebody, you know, in Houston sports, because you know they know what they're talking about. I mean, a lot of these guys, sometimes you wonder if they do their prep, but but these guys, I, I mean, some of the ones y'all were talking about, Hannah Storm, Jim Nance, I actually interviewed Jim a long, long time ago. What a great guy, just about as classy as you can get. So it's nice to know that, you know, Houston sports aren't always known for their negative or, you know, bad people. You know, we have some great players, and we had some great sportscasters that uh, now everybody, their household names, everybody knows who they are. I'm glad you hit on that because I, maybe a lot of people are like, why do I care about Charlie Thomas? I'm 30 years old. I've never, you know, I've, I've, I never followed the Rockets back in that time. But look, it all connects the stuff that we talk about, what happened to the Rockets back then. If you listen to the podcast, you realize there's a lot of connections. James gets brought up. I ask Falk off about the James Harden deal. You know, he was a beat writer for the Rockets for 15 years. He was in Houston for 17 years. He knows the Rockets' history. He's followed them um, ever since he left. I mean, he loves Houston. He loves the Rockets. Uh, he got let go in the Houston Post. Yeah, I wonder how many people remember the Houston. If you're 30 years old, you probably don't remember the Houston Post because I think that went bye-bye in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 95, and that's yeah. that's, that's the last time uh, Robert wrote in, in Houston. But he, he he still loves it. He lives up in Kansas City. Um, I didn't mention it in the show, but he writes for MLB.com. He, he covers the... The Royals occasionally kind of he's not a, the regular guy there, but he he hits on them occasionally. Um, and I don't know what the situation is like with the with COVID and, and how much he's doing with that. And frankly, if you look at what's going on around not just some of the local newspapers, but uh, nationally between ESPN and MLB.com, you're looking at a lot of guys that took a quote unquote early retirement. I, I call it being pushed out, Stephen Richard Justice is out with MLB.com. Oh, right. is he? I did not see that. Now, I know David Barron of the Chronicle, you know, he's retiring, quote unquote. And yeah, I felt like he was probably, and, and I actually worked with David many, many years ago. I doubt he would remember me, but 
I used to work for uh, United Press International, UPI, uh, and David, when I covered the Longhorns basketball team, David was working in the Dallas Bureau, and he would always take my stories when I would call them in. And this was way back in the 80s. It was a long time ago. But David, another really, really nice guy, great writer, sure going to miss reading his columns in the Chronicle. Yeah, I should have mentioned Barron because he's been on the podcast. He, he's helped us out. Um, great, great guy, guy Barron. I, I want to say he even mentioned our podcast in the early going. Um, also, David... What a writer. I mean, really fantastic writer, underrated, and of the old timers at the Houston Chronicle or in Houston media, we've lost a ton of them in recent years. Really, is it John McClain, the only guy left from the Chronicle from from maybe, you know, past 10, 15 years now, right? Oh, at least, yeah, because, yeah, you, you, know, you know, David's leaving, and of course, Dale Robertson, you know, whom you've had on the podcast several times, he retired, what was it, last year? So, you know, a lot of these guys and, and Robert Falkoff, I mean, I always I, I always enjoyed not only reading his columns in the post, I love Robert's voice. I mean, it is so unique. You when, when Robert talks, you know who he is right away. That's Robert Falkoff. But yeah, a lot of these writers who who really were close to a lot of these guys back when you could be, I mean, it's a lot harder to get as close to specific players now as it used to be then. But, you know, these guys had the inside track on a lot of these guys and these players would talk to them about things that you never heard about in print. They, you know, they didn't actually print them, but they were very close to those guys. So it was, it was one of those eras that, you know, you just kind of miss. And I, of course, being a writer myself, I can kind of identify with a lot of that. Agreed with you on Falkoff's voice. And it reminds me that a lot of these old school guys, whether it's Dale Robertson or John McClain or Falkoff, a lot of these old school Houston sports writers, some real character in their voices, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you recognized him as soon as you heard them. And John McClain, I mean, that's another one. When you hear his voice, you know, exactly. It's the general <laughs> and, and he's got, you know, a great sense of humor. And I'd, I'd say right now, he's the only one I can think of that is still, you know, a, a true blue writer that has been around, you know, for 30 plus years or more. Well, we'll check out after an hour. So much to talk about in this one. We went longer, I think, than we've gone in a while. And the, the other thing, uh, you hope for is that we're not having to talk about a Deshaun Watson trade in the next. Yeah. Week. You know, when the James Harden trade came down on Wednesday, I don't know what it is about Wednesday trades, but you know, Russell Westbrook was traded on a Wednesday. James Harden was on a Wednesday. The reason I know that is because both times that those trades were made, I was a church Bible study. When you texted me, can we do an emergency podcast? <laughs> so, you know, if, if you're going to trade Deshaun, can you at least not do it on a Wednesday for goodness sake? Or just not trade him at all. That's even better. Yes, thank you. That's the that's the correct uh, response to that. <laughs> you know, I just I, I just want to remind everybody. You know, we always tell you. You know, you can always message us through Twitter, Facebook, email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. I, I want to hear from people if you are liking what we do because we've been doing this for I've been doing it for eight years now. The Houston Sports Talk. We put out a podcast at least once a week. We we've gotten great guests. Are you enjoying this? Do you like it? Is it you know, is it something that you have fun with? Tell, tell a friend also, like let, let, let people know, because, you know, I just love hearing the motivation. It's, it's not as though uh, I'm doing this for all the millions of dollars that I'm making. I, I do it for fun. So I'd love to hear from you if, you if you're enjoying everything. And not that I'm begging for friends here, but, you know, we'd love to hear from everybody out there. But as we always say at the end these days, uh, stay healthy and safe, everybody. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, 
the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.